friends. Welcome to Silo Busting. I'm your host, Allison Coden, an interaction designer at EPAM Continuum. I've always liked the truism that you can communicate with any creature, from pets to toddlers to sophisticated aliens we have yet to contact, if you can just find a language they understand. I think it's about more than a shared vocabulary, though. Without some overlap of values, or at least priorities, you'll never rise to the level of true communication. Be that between me and my cat, or between a company CISO and its broader corporate ecosystem. Rising to this challenge is becoming more urgent as cyber attacks get more frequent and sophisticated, and companies' responses must perforce become more integrated, more holistic, and more collaborative across traditionally siloed functions. You've heard us urging this kind of integrated approach to cybersecurity before. The question is, how can we help companies make the jump from mere conversation internally to communication and shared values around risk management? Patrick O'Reilly, co-founder and chief product officer at CyberSaint, may have found the Rosetta Stone for corporate communication around DRM, the dollar value of risk. As he explains to Boris Hazin, our global head of DRM services, when the financial risk of a security breach can be quantified, stakeholders traditionally at loggerheads may find they have a shared interest to protect. Today we have uh, Patrick uh, with us. Uh, Patrick, please uh, describe a little bit uh, uh, about yourself and the company that... uh uh, you know, you're from, uh, for our listeners. Absolutely. Sure. So my name is Patrick O'Reilly. I'm the chief of product and, and co-founder of CyberSaint Security. We're a software company. Uh, we founded about five years ago. Um, and our basic, uh, insight, the, the founding team was that, uh, the old ways of doing GRC simply weren't working anymore. Um, the legacy products and the spreadsheet madness and the uh, inability to have risk in real time, all of that was a problem space that um, my fellow co-founder, George Wren, showed to me. I was out of financial modeling and macroeconomic modeling, and uh, he said, you might like the, the problem in cyber. You might like the risk problem. You might like the regulatory problem. So early days, we operationalized some regulatory frameworks. We did that efficiently enough so that uh, many customers came to us. And that gave us another opportunity to sort of scale up and become an enterprise platform. And and my uh, my focus has largely been upon, you know, driving metrics across all the functions in, in cyber. And that includes digital transformation now. So I'm about having data uh, flow across all the different functions and getting that up into risks so that decisions can be made around uh, remediating and hardening systems with respect to cyber and, you know, running cyber as a business function and having that baked into the platform. Uh, uh, A man after my own heart. (laughs) So, um, uh, you know, um, the... The, to- the item we always begin with is, uh, you know, your view about uh, DRM becoming the next evolution mm-hmm. of GRC. And, um, you know, the uh, the basic uh, idea of DRM is always the, that it's digital risk management, but we see it as a digital transformation mm-hmm. of GRC, that mm-hmm. you can no longer function uh, within the uh, GRC, IRM, ERM uh, world without having the digital platform, such as, uh, uh, you know, your CyberSaint, uh, right. and if, if there's any others, but um, uh, as well as 
sort of uh, automating all of these things uh, that go into the platform uh, within, uh, you know, for example, like you said, cybersecurity. You have to start automating cybersecurity to help you uh, at different uh, different levels because otherwise it just becomes unmanageable. Uh, yeah. What's your th- what, uh, What's your thought in that statement that based on that view of DRM is it the next evolution of GRC ERM IRM? Yeah, I I do think so. Um, you know, and I see evidence of that daily. Uh, you know, in my conversations with with the enterprise. So. The, you know, the state of play around GRC, and we're all probably somewhat familiar with it, is you know, that you might have, you know, balkanized business functions uh, talking to each other. And, and because GRCs kind of, you know, hit sort of a brick wall with some of the legacy stuff, they might be doing a lot of it on spreadsheets, right? So you might have IT talking to, you know, the second line of defense, talking to the third line of defense, which might be consultants, you know, even or the Archer team or, you know, various other uh, legacy softwares. Um, And, you know, over the years, they've built up a practice and uh, the practice has worked to a point. uh, and, And a lot of it is running outside in spreadsheets. But now we're at we're at a critical juncture in a couple of ways. The old methods of generating risk metrics on the back of compliance or regulatory aren't really working because the data gets old too quickly and there's just too much Q&A, too many sheets. The combinatorics are a nightmare. Um, and and what digital transformation, you know, everyone was talking about it three years ago, but uh, sort of the global pandemic certainly expedited some of this. So now when I talk to, you know, say the Fortune 500, uh, they all have one or two projects underway to get themselves either multi-cloud or uh, in one cloud and get that data automated. So, you know, the, 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 the dream of IRM really is that you can, you know, hook the machine up uh, to the automated data so that it's always refreshing. So if you have identity and access management in the cloud, if you have, you know, configuration settings in the cloud, uh, and do that all across, you know, hybrid workloads and, and various architectures, which our product, you know, looks into. Um, so the imperative to sort of virtualize workflows that, that COVID sort of brought to the table has sped up the awareness that risk can now be done in the cloud on automated data. Um, so, you know, the big cloud providers even come to me and say, look, we can't do this ourselves um, because it's, you know, it would be sort of um, drinking our own, drinking our own uh, Kool-Aid. We have to have partners that help, you know, uh, generate uh, a view into risk uh, across, say, security center or across the AWS config or in Google Cloud across uh, Prisma or Forseti. And those data sources are very rich, uh, you know, and to get those into controls and then get that over into risk, that's the real opportunity. And I think it's top of mind for a lot of people now. Right. So uh, uh, based upon what you just said, what would you uh, say are the low hanging fruit within the uh, cybersecurity risk model that uh, this digital transformation can, uh, you know, quickly uh, gather? Right. uh, yeah, I think for us, the low-hanging fruit are, uh, you know, working with customers who are open to uh, giving access to those APIs, those data sources, and 
automating some proportion of their, you know, controls or compliance on the one hand, you know, that's the first step. So, you know, when we do our extended uh, engagements with, with customers, showing them what can be done, that's usually the first step. You know, do you have service now? Do you have config data that, you know, uh, you want in assessments and do you want to put that on a cadence, you know, so that you can do checks across, say, you know, some business logic, like these five fields need to be marked yes in order for this ticket to pass, et cetera. So that's, that's something we can do very quickly and show them the value of that. That makes life in IT so much easier. That makes life for the second line of defense so much easier. Uh, they don't have to, you know, call each other up and do 10,000 of these, you know, like, can you please post the evidence to this particular requirement? Uh, did they post the evidence? No, they didn't post the evidence. Call them again, you know. All of that stuff that's very familiar to GRC. So integrated risk is really the idea that you can take this data and then transform it into risk, you know, using, you know, gold standard approaches, you know, using, you know, using NIST, using 830, using the FAIR model, using other. uh, So you have to have some idea of how that data impacts your controls and how it impacts your regulatory and how it impacts just in-house requirements. And then the next step is, you know, and, and, and what we've been busy showing companies lately is how you can get all those standards talking to each other using right. some NLP. Um, so to get away from the old days of, oh, my God, you know, we have all our information in 853 or in ISO, but they're asking us for the sys controls for some contract. They're going to break our heads. That's three weeks. So with, you know, with crosswalking, uh, with some NLP, we can go across standards using the same data. Right. Uh, which is going to be very, very powerful. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And what uh, what else I see as a you know a low hanging fruit with mm-hmm. this uh, significant privacy uh, regulatory push that we've seen over the last couple of years uh, is that even um, even though uh, you know you you might follow the NIST uh, you know, and I'm calling this because they have the the better privacy regulation, at least right. in my opinion, um, there is still this uh, fear and uh, conservatism, which is really good uh, mm-hmm. with privacy information because the fines are so much higher. Right. So uh, what what I see is even though companies who are at a high maturity of following any of these uh, requirements, um, they, they still... Um, uh, w- want to be more conservative with their privacy, and uh, I think helping them, uh, uh, you know, produce the that extra layer uh, of zero trust as well as that extra layer of protection around the privacy really makes them able to sleep at night. At least the CISOs I talk with. Right, right, and that's very interesting to me, largely because I think. Here in the states, we're lagging a little bit uh, on that front. But uh, my my fellow co-founder uh, George uh, left the operational side of the company. He's still on the board, but he he left to go found a privacy management software company. So uh, I I would agree with you that uh, that that this is the transformation across privacy and across data uh, is is happening now is underway, and it, and it is related to the fines and in in an analogous way. I would say we're, you know, because of the attacks we've seen this year, uh, the ransomware on Colonial, uh, some of the water treatment, uh, just the the plague of ransomware, 
uh, we're seeing that accelerate uh, companies' need to understand risk uh, on the fly with fresh, fresh data. Right. Uh, yes, uh, definitely. Uh, the the one interesting thing uh, I think b- what the fines uh, have done, I think they they really pushed the way people assess uh, risk mm-hmm. to the forefront with a dollar value rather right. than some sort of um, you know uh, their own uh, ranking system right. or anything like that. Right. Um, what is uh, what's uh, what's your view uh, about utilizing uh, risk assessment based on a dollar value? Right. I, I mean, I I personally think that that's the future. I think you have to understand risk in terms of in terms of dollars. I mean, if you look back, you know, even just to widen the lens a little bit historically, into you know the earliest risk practices of capitalism, you had you know basically ships sailing, right? You had to know the value of the cargo, you know, you had to know the probability of the storms or how dangerous the route was, or were there, you know, uh, friendlies or unfriendlies along the way. So you had to do a series of calculations. It's, it's really the same in cyber. And, you know, to, to say that our risk is a 25, well, you know, I mean, you know, Boris, that yeah. there are hundreds and thousands of products that have their own proprietary risk score. And yeah. then if you sort of push on it a little bit, it, it it opens up and it falls apart. It's sort of like, well, we use this metric and that metric, and then we add in some of this. And it's almost like, you know, a, a bouillabaisse. It's just like a right. stew and it's nonsensical. But everybody, and particularly the people who are making decisions, they understand dollars and cents. Now, can they can they uh, can they differ uh, around how you arrived at the number? Can they can they differ with respect to an order of magnitude? Certainly, but that's a much more productive conversation when it's predicated upon you know dollars and risk in terms of dollars and potential losses, uh, you know annualized loss expectancies, single loss expectancies, threat event frequencies, and the like. So everything we do, we roll up to, we roll up to a number, uh, a risk ex- exposure number, you know, and try to socialize it in the platform uh, around, you know, probability, you know, so that number might look gigantic, but there are probabilities associated with it. Right. And any decision you make about remediating it, you have to understand that, you know, if you have $1 million potential loss and only a 10% chance, right, of, of getting, uh, of having this event happen, you know, you're not going to spend half a million dollars to, to fix that. You, right. You know, you might, you might spend, you know, a, an order of around, you know, north of a hundred thousand or just under a hundred thousand. If you, if you could fix this for 50,000 and change the, change the probability of loss and, and, and change the number of loss, you're going to do it. But, that's you know to be rational about dollars and cents with respect to risk. That's the right. future, I think. I, yeah, I uh, I always uh, you know do double takes whenever you go into uh, an engagement with an enterprise, yeah. and every silo has their own re- uh, risk characteristics. Oh my god! Yeah. I know. yeah, and they're throwing out something at you that you're going well on a dollar dollar you're telling me this is a critical risk but your total risk dollar wise is like a hundred thousand i have something that's in the tens of millions and it's it's not a critical risk for you you know it's um it i think the dollar value is just the much better way and i'm glad that the fines are pushing organization Mm -hmm. just makes 
our lives easier. Yes, yes. And any time, and you know, uh, on our customer base or some sort of penalty levied, it brings a, a, a sort of a great awakening to the practice and it disciplines it um, quite thoroughly. So I don't like that customers of ours may be getting fined. I, I don't, uh, I, w- I, I wish they weren't in a sense, but in another sense, uh, the carrot and the stick with respect to risk, I think we all understand uh, its role. Right, uh, definitely. Uh, now, um, with that said, and continuing the uh, conversation of uh, risk uh, uh, overall, um, I, I really... Um, sees, you know, different cyber um, security risks really move up to the front as mm-hmm. uh, that uh, big scare in, in the, at least the current environment with all the uh, ransomware and malware that's uh, being uh, utilized uh, there. Um, and just uh, out of, you know, just wanting to get your uh, opinion on w- what do you think... Um, the 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 real uh, f- uh, future to digital uh, assisting uh, to control that risk of ransomware and uh, malware yeah. is it is it at um, uh, you know um, uh, is there any one specific change that you think would have the greatest effect on majority of the firms? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, I do think there, and the changes are coming out and they're being, you know, sort of announced here through a series of executive orders. Um, you know, there's going to be a ransomware profile coming out of NIST, um, which is going to be huge, uh, because I don't think it's, I don't think it's well understood still across the 16 critical, critical infrastructure sectors here. Um, you know, how attackers get in, you know, there are, there are cheap and dirty attacks and then there are fancy elaborate attacks, right? You know, I would I would say that, you know, software vulnerability uh, and, you know, and doing that in a product like Kaseya or SolarWinds is a fancy attack. It's incredibly sophisticated. You know, you're you're getting into a platform that has access to thousands of companies and then you're moving laterally after you get pr- credentials. But there are, you know, some of the attacks we've seen, Boris, as you know, are, you know, just not having 2FA on remote desktop protocols. Right. Right. So I think what's going to help companies is having a very specific standard that's tailored specifically to their sector with a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of regulatory heft behind it and understanding the potential dollar value losses, you know, and that's something we're chasing very hard over on the R and D side. Right. Um, The, the, the issue I think that um, most companies are, are facing with the ransomware and these Mm -hmm. uh, executive orders is they're uh, uh, they're not quite. I, I think they're not quite sure. Uh, you know, to say what uh, they're trying to say. Well, what areas does this control? They're trying to control that expense, and I right. think at this point, yeah, uh, trying to control that expense is just a hindrance. You really need to look. Uh, uh, yes, certain areas might be the more highlighted target. Yes. But, weakening another area just because you don't feel it's a highlighted target still gives them a way in. Right. Right. And I think you're correct in saying that, um, you know, that the, the probability, the probabilities have, you know, tripled, quadrupled, you know, and more this year of these attacks. 
And that's a very substantial risk. And you know from the loss models that you know you're really anywhere from on the on the low side or the municipal, you know, a quarter of a million to on the commercial side, five million to on the enterprise size, fifty million. You know, that those are significant dollar losses. Then there's the reputational and the secondary effects, right. which you know, you model it, it would go up into the hundreds of millions in some cases. Right. Um, you, you really do have to do everything uh, you can once the numbers are getting that big to to harden your systems. And the one key aspect, uh, fines, uh, you oh, know, yeah. they take, uh, you yeah. know, GDPR takes a percentage yep. and CCPA, if you have a million customers, you're hitting billion dollar potential yeah. fine. That's right. They yeah. do it by, by record. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, absolutely. Uh, and you, you know, I, I can understand uh, some of the pressure from above to uh, you know, make sure that the improvements you're doing are, you know, cost effective. But part of the way to get over that hurdle is to use an integrated risk management approach and demonstrate how, yes, spending half a million dollars maybe on something in particular, like replacing some vulnerability, some software that has a you know well-known vulnerabilities. Um, you know, you can rationalize that if you begin to think through the, you know, the, the true risk exposure and, and, and grounded in dollars. Right. Uh, no, definitely. And I just see ransomware and uh, attacks just increasing yes. significantly. I mean, yeah. even more, I think, than most people are saying. I'm really conservative on, uh, you know, not on that uh, it, there's going to be small numbers in that there's going to be very large numbers and you need to take precautions because people have paid out. And the second the, there's a money stream, more and more people are going to try it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the payouts incentivize more activity. They also fund R&D to make the attacks, you know, the more, you know, more powerful as well. Yes, yes. Uh, so um, uh, based, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I was just wondering, what uh, what else do you see within the uh, cybersecurity that... Um, uh, could be of value to our listeners, uh, you know, to to hear some opinion on. Yeah, at the moment, I think the biggest trend I'm seeing uh, across uh, the enterprise is the desire to walk away from the old way of doing it. Now, that's 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 a good start, right? You know, to say this just simply isn't working anymore. Um, but the actual putting in place of a new set of processes and, and a new, you know, data, data flows for a system of record, uh, that, that can be a political challenge as well. So I think the, the trend I'm seeing at the moment is, you know, everyone sort of has to be around the table. If we're going to get to the promised land in cyber, you know, and really, you know, harden complex systems, um, and, and lessen the risk exposures, uh, you know, everyone has to come to the table and talk about, you know, what they think is working and what isn't working and, you know, chart the way forward. Uh, you know, and I think that what I'm seeing that's really optimistic from my side is that the government is now opening up uh, and, and offering more help. So I actually think that 
you know, for mid-sized companies, the government is going to offer help soon over here, uh, which is significant. Um, and the government will also help with data going forward. I, I think that the government is actually thinking through ways of actually helping companies understand risk exposure a, a little bit better. Because ultimately, governance has to be on the same page, right, as IT and all the lines of defense right. in order to help, you know, harden it up. Because you could have the greatest argument in the world about what you need to do. And if your governance structure is sleepwalking, where are you? So I see much more engage engagement at the level of governance. And I think over here, the cadence of executive orders is, is waking up the governance structures. The press gets in touch with me all the time because these EOs come out. They're like, does this make a difference? I'm like, yes, it does make a difference. Um, because the governance uh, structures of these companies are starting to get their head around cyber risk finally. Right. And uh, uh, yes, I, I think um, really showing, uh, you know, the risk uh, through the governance process all the way up to the C-suite uh, is, mm -hmm. is very important because they have, uh, you know, business decisions have to be made so that they understand um you know, that, look, the cyber risk is increasing. We have to address it because if they don't see it, uh, I think if it's not to the forefront and they just hear it at meetings or, uh, you know, it, it gets missed. Right. Um, I, th I really feel that the dashboards that, the, you know, you provide through the, a proper governance system across the enterprise right. really need to show where the cyber risk is for the uh, for their division or the full enterprise, right. uh, because otherwise it just gets lost in the shuffle until an event happens, and then it's too late. I hundred percent agree. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business experience and technology consulting, focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. Thanks to Boris Hazen and Patrick O'Reilly for their great conversation. Cheers to Kip Palalas, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Applause to Ken Gordon, our producer, for all his masterminding behind the scenes. I'm your host, Allison Coton, and my cats are telling me it's dinner time.